Good morning, everyone. How's everybody today? Doing well. Well, the uh, extra hour did not help me, so I'm still uh, running behind as usual. But anyway, let's all stand together. And then somebody give the Lord praise or thanks for something he is or does or will do. So this is the first week in the month, right? So if anybody has a birthday in the month of, what month is this? November. Just raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. All right. So we're, um, yeah, no music. We'll, we'll go a cappella. We don't want to get sued anyway. You can't really play that song anymore without. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll all sing together. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. All right, All right and we're going to read from Psalm 34 today, unless anybody else wanted to say anything, Psalm 34. And Psalm 34 is of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, 
who drove him away, and he left. David says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to those, close to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. So this uh, became a messianic song, uh, messianic song pointing to the Messiah. But it, it also tells us that if we don't live righteous lives, then the Lord's face is against us. And none of us want that, right? You know, we in the church, we don't like to talk about those negative type things in, in the Word. But we need all that. We need the full counsel of God to know who God is and what God is like and what He expects from us. If we just talk about the nice things, then we have a lot of people that are going to face God on Judgment Day, facing a God that they knew nothing about when they thought they really knew Him. I'm going to get into some more of that in my sermon. I'm getting ahead of myself. But so um, we've come to worship this God, the God who loves the righteous, the God who helps us and is here for us, who delivers us from evil. We've come to worship him today. We're going to uh, sing some songs together, but first let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. One day every knee will bow 
Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now.
Morning. Now is the time in the service for communion. If this is your first time here, we should. You should have received a communion packet with the wafer and juice. If you are a baptized believer, we, pro- <clears throat> we invite you to partake in communion with us today. Today we will be reading from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 26, and the words will be on the screen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The renowned church father Tertullian in the year 207 AD wrote about the Lord's Supper saying, He declared plainly enough what he meant by the bread. When he called the bread his own body, he likewise when mentioning the cup and making the New Testament to be sealed in his blood affirmed the reality of his body. By saying that the bread represents his body and that his blood is the new covenant, Christ confirmed that his body was a sacrifice for our sins. By partaking of communion, we acknowledge that he died on the cross for our sins and that he was sacrificed so that we will live in eternity with God our Father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us here safely. Thank you for dying on the cross and sacrificing your body so that we may live. Bless this communion, and if we have fallen short of your word, forgive us and reveal it to us so we can repent for it. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Time for announcements. Yay! Somebody's excited. Um, Matthew 25 Ministries, we're always collecting empty pill bottles um, to donate to them. They use them for uh, medical supplies, shredding, recycling, and it will save room in your own garbage. So bring them in. Um, also, we collect used ink cartridges to help reduce the cost of office supplies here for the church. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. Um, if anyone is inquiring, you can drop off donations at that time. You can come and get food if you are in need um, or clothes, or you can come and help serve if you'd like. Refit free dance fitness class for men and women, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 6.30 to 7.30. We'd love to have you. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Breakfast fellowship was today, which is the first Sunday of the month at 9.30, so continue the first month, I'm sorry, first Sunday of every month. Um, if you have any questions or want to contribute in some way, talk to Carol. Empty Nesters has complete. you guys have completed, right? We got one more? Two more, sorry. Two more um, days for the Empty Nesters Bible study. They're um, doing a book study on the Ten Commandments, so um, if you're interested in joining them in their next series, um, talk to Sharon Ponchot, but for the next two Thursdays, they'll be there at 10 a.m. at Ruth Liming's house. Greeting card ministry. Um, this is something that I think we started this year. It's really been um, helpful, not just for people in the community, but um, their family members, total strangers, people in the community. When we know something's going on and they're asking for prayer and they're, they're wanting us, um, they're willing to give their address, this is an intentional practice of sending cards to lift them up and encourage them, to let them know not only we care, but the Lord cares too. Light Up Goshen Parade is Saturday, November 19th. Um, there's a sign-up sheet on the welcome table. We need chili, 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 please, and people to serve. We are doing a float, which is we've not done before, so I have no idea what I'm doing. So if anybody's interested in helping, you let, let me know. Thanksgiving community dinner um, hosted by Bluebird Bus of Hope and our church here. So we'll be serving um, anyone in the community on Wednesday, November 23rd, 6 to 8 p.m. here in the sanctuary. If you um, want to come and serve, if you want to make something and drop it off, if you have questions, anything at all, come and eat um, with the community. There's a sign-up um, on the welcome table, and there is a registration. So it's online. If you need help with that, let me know. Ties and offerings can be given in person in the back of the sanctuary and online at the website. Weekly budgets listed here um, and ministries you support through our, the giving through at Heartland, which is 10% of the giving. Um, last thing I will just make mention of, the elder ballot sheet is for renewal for Derek Trent, who is also the pastor here. If you would like him to be renewed or you want to kick him off, this is your way to do it. If you are a member of the church, if you have not gotten this, let me know because they are due back today. So thank you so much. Enjoy the background for pictures for fall. Enjoy the background for pictures for fall back there. Um, and we have the 10-minute countdown for togetherness. We've seen broken bodies healed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen real life resurrection. We've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen things 
never stop believing Cause he's so, so
to break up the fellowship, but hey, we got to go. We got to move on now, right? Time to move on. Talk after church or something. I mean, <laughs> that's cool. Now we're going to jump into the Word now. Um, today we're going to continue our series in the book of Colossians, so let's turn together in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Colossians 3, 1 through 10, and when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is Renewed in God's Image. Renewed in God's Image. In Colossians 3, 1 through 10, the scriptures say, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, treat the, the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also rid yourselves of all of them, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you stripped off the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. You may be seated. 
Now, so far in this letter, Paul is focused mainly on right doctrine. He's reminded the saints in Colossae that the good news that they heard about the Lord Jesus Christ is the apostolic faith. He's encouraged them to stick with the faith and to make sure they don't allow themselves to be carried away by the false philosophies of puffed-up preachers who come in with something new and try to get them to believe something that the apostles never taught them. The knowledge that leads to salvation has been once for all delivered to the saints in the church and through the church. All of humanity is invited to come out of the kingdom of darkness, become a part of the new creation in the kingdom of light, and be renewed in God's image. I think that was pretty good for two chapters. I summarized that pretty good, right? Well, in today's passage, Paul starts to turn the corner from doctrine into application. See, knowing doctrine doesn't do us any good unless we apply what we're learning. So Paul's going to turn the corner and start. He begins to give us concrete ways to apply the truths of the gospel to our lives. So today we're going to talk about two things that we must do to be renewed in God's image. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask you to speak to us through your word. And as you do speak to us, give us understanding. Let us understand the greatness of the kingdom that you call all of us to be a part of. And through your grace, enable us to walk in the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing we got to do to be renewed in God's image is we've got to seek and set our minds on heavenly things. Paul starts today's passage by once again reminding us of what happens in our baptism. And if it seems like I've talked about baptism in this series a whole lot, well, the reason for that is because I have talked about baptism in this series a whole lot. And the reason I've done that is because Paul talks about it so much in this letter. You know, a lot of what Paul writes in this letter and his other letters is a plea for God's people to remember what happened at their baptism and to live that out. In Colossians 3, 1, Paul says, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So when we're united with Christ in baptism, we are raised together with him. His death becomes our death. His resurrection becomes our resurrection. We're connected to Christ Jesus in a mysterious but very real way. And where Christ is, we who are united to him are there also. And where is Christ? Well, Christ is seated in the most exalted place in the universe. He's at the right hand of the throne of God the Father in heaven. And we who are connected to him, well, we're there also. And since that's true, well, Paul says we should keep seeking the things that are above. Keep seeking first Christ's kingdom and his righteousness. Keep seeking to know and do his will so that we can become like him through his grace. At all times and in all ways, we who have been raised with Christ should keep seeking the things above. Now, Paul doubles down on this in Colossians 3, 2 through 3. He says, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So one way we seek the things above is by setting our minds on the things above. Now, though we are on this earth, we no, we no longer belong to this world. We've died with Christ to the things of this world. Our life is above in heaven, hidden with Christ in God. We belong to a heavenly kingdom. 
And what that means is we've got to keep 100% of our focus on that kingdom. We cannot allow ourselves to get caught up in the concerns and the cares and the kingdoms of this world. If we're in Christ, those things are beneath us. Let me say it again. If we're in Christ, those things are beneath us. So we've got to get our minds off of the temporary earthly things and keep our minds on the eternal and heavenly things. And when this world tries to distract us and get us all worked up about the things that they get worked up about, well, we've got to keep coming back to this truth, coming back to this reality. This world is not our home. Our citizenship, our true home, our true life is in heaven. And not only is our life in heaven, but Paul goes on in Colossians 3, 4 to remind us our hope is also in heaven. He says, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And here Paul is echoing what the truth that he's already told us back in Colossians 1, 24 through 27, where he said, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am supplementing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions in behalf of his body, which is the church. I was made a minister of this church according to the commission from God granted to me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what the wealth of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles is, the mystery that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the hope of glory for those who are united with Christ in the church, the hope of becoming by grace what Jesus is by nature, that's the main message of the Word of God. That's the main message of the gospel of Christ's kingdom. Christ in us, and us in Christ, recreated in God's image to share in God's glory. The Apostle John, he puts it this way in 1 John 3, 2 through 3. He says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And listen to what John goes on to say. And everyone who has this hope set on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Do you want something that's worth living for? Something that's worth giving up everything in this world to obtain? Well, this is it. This is the pearl of great price. This is the treasure that's beyond compare, a treasure that will never perish, spoil, or fade. And that is what we have to look forward to when our life is hidden with Christ in God. One day we will see Christ just as he is. We'll see him in his glory. The request that Moses gave when he said, show me your glory, well, one day we're all going to see that. We will see his face. And we will be like him as we share in his glory. So that's the reality for all of us who are purifying ourselves as Jesus is pure. That's the reality for all who are being renewed in God's image in Christ. So when we're connected to Christ in baptism, we die with him, we're raised with him to sit in heavenly places. Our life is not on this earth. Our life is at the right hand of God in heaven And we're called to live the heavenly life now, to be like Jesus in this world. And we do that by being renewed in God's image. And to be renewed in God's image, we've got to seek and set our minds on heavenly things 
And we've also got to do a second thing. We've got to stay dead to and stay away from earthly things. At the beginning of Colossians 3, 5, Paul says, Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead. So because we've died with Christ to this world and no longer belong to this world, because we're raised with Christ and now have our lives hidden with him in heaven, we've got to get everything that's earthly out of our lives. We've got to treat our earthly body parts as though they are once and for all dead to the sinful ways in which we once walked when we still belonged to this world. Now, Paul teaches the same truth, and he gives a lot more detail about it in Romans 6, 1 through 10. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Far from it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been become united with him in the likeness of his death, certain we shall, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For the one who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we, will also, we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. I want you to notice here that Paul repeats the same truths that he taught us back in Colossians. When we were baptized into Christ's death, we died to sin. Through baptism into his death, we've been buried and raised with Christ through the glory of God the Father so that we can now walk in newness of life. We were crucified with Christ so that our old self, the body of sin, might be stripped off. It might be done away with so we would no longer be slaves to sin. The one who dies with Christ is free from sin, and the death Christ died, he died to sin once and for all. Those are the facts. Those are the truths that Paul teaches us. And just like he does in Colossians, Paul goes on in Romans 6, 11 through 14 to tell us how to live in light of those facts. How do we live in light of those truths? He says, so you too consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, sin is not to reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the parts of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your body parts as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And by the way, I read this so much of that because so many people are caught up in Romans 7. They say, hey, Paul, look at him. He could never get over this stuff. He wanted to do stuff, but he couldn't do it right. Absolutely false teaching. Paul wrote chapter 6 before he wrote chapter 7. In Christ, we are free from sin. We're able to overcome sin. We don't live in sin anymore. The man Paul's talking about in Romans 7 is the man he was outside of Christ. He was a slave to sin. We're not slaves to sin anymore when we get into Christ. I threw that in for free. So in light of what we are, <laughs> what we are in Christ, 
Well, then like Christ, we've got to keep on considering ourselves to be dead to sin once and for all and alive to God in Christ. It's the same thing that Paul said in Colossians. Treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sin. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin once and for all and to be alive to God. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body by obeying its lusts. Don't present the members of your body. Don't use any part of your body to engage in any kind of unrighteousness. Instead, present every part of yourself to God. Use every part of your body as instruments of righteousness. See, and this is the key to living a life where we're being renewed in God's image. We got to keep considering the facts, keep considering these truths. We've got to believe that God really did do a miracle in us. He worked a miracle in us, and he changed us when he united us with Christ in baptism. We've got to keep remembering what happened in our baptism. We've got to keep living that out. And Paul says in, as Paul says in Colossians 3, 9 through 10, when we're baptized into Christ, we stripped off the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed to, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. The imagery here is of, is of us changing our clothes. When we're baptized, the old self with its evil practices is stripped off. Like a dirty, disgusting, soiled and smelly old garment, we strip that off and we get rid of it. And in its place, like a crisp and clean, glowing and glorious white robe, we put on the new self. We put on Christ with his righteous practices. And as we stay attached to Christ's body in the church, and as we keep our white robe from becoming dirty with earthly things, well, we become more and more worthy of that white robe as we become more and more Christ-like. And here's another thing I'm going to throw in for free. A lot of us say we're unworthy of this, we're unworthy of, of that. We can never be worthy of that robe. Well, go read the book of Revelation. Because he gives the white robe to those who are worthy. We become worthy through his grace. He makes us worthy because we live his life through us. So as we're being transformed from one degree of, 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 of glory to another by God's grace, we become worthy of that robe. But God's goal is that all of us should be perfected in Christ. But to reach that goal, we've got to stay dead to and stay away from earthly things. And in Colossians 3, 5, Paul gives us some examples of what those earthly things are. He says, therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Now, I don't see any, I don't see any really young people in here, but if you don't want your kids to hear uh, any talk about sex, well, this is going to be the time to either cover their ears or tell them to get up and, and walk out. I'm not going to, no graphic description or anything like that, but I'm going to mention several forms of sinful sexual practices. So I spoke, I spoke now, right? Everybody heard me? If you don't want to hear it, time to go. Last chance, going once, going twice. Here we go. So just like in our society, the sins Paul lists here were rampant in the society in Colossae. Now the first four sins cover every form of sexual sin, starting with sexual immorality. The Greek word is pornia, and this includes sins like adultery or having any sexual relationship with someone other than your husband or wife, someone you're married to, fornication or having any sexual relationship before marriage, masturbation or having a sexual relationship with yourself. 
And as you can probably hear from the Greek word, pornia also includes the most widespread form of sexual immorality in our society today, which is pornography in its various forms. Now, the next three words, impurity, passion, and evil, or evil desires, cover every unnatural sexual activity. And I don't want to get too descriptive here, but let's just say it like this. Using parts of our bodies for things they were not designed for, putting parts of our bodies in places they weren't designed to go, and those things are unnatural. And of course, this includes all homosexual acts, but it also includes every sexual act between men and women, married or not married, that could not potentially result in producing a child. I don't want to tell you to use your imagination, but think about what I'm saying, right? Think about what I'm saying. If it can't produce a child, it's unnatural. It's not something that God wants us to do. Now, those sexual sins and any others like them have no place in the life of Christians. All right, let's get away from that subject. I don't want to talk more. But if you do have a question about any of that stuff, I'm willing to answer questions. I can give you more detail. If you got it, what is this? this, 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 I'll give you more detail. I'm not going to do that in public because it's embarrassing enough to talk about that. Anyway, so the next sin Paul mentioned is the sin of greed. And then Paul says something pretty shocking. He says, greed amounts to idolatry. Greed amounts to idolatry. What he's saying here is when we're greedy, we make whatever we're greedy for into our idol. It becomes our God. We give the thing thing that we're greedy for, we give it the place that belongs to God alone. And we break the first commandment, which says, you shall have no other gods before me. So we got to be sure that we're not allowing anything to take the place of God in our lives. That could be a person, it could be things, whatever it is. Nobody or no thing can take the place of God in our lives. So all sexual sins and greed are earthly things that we got to stay dead to and stay away from. we got to consider ourselves to be dead to those things and never engage in those behaviors. Don't even consider engaging in those behaviors. There's, I think it's in Ephesians, Paul talked about, don't even let this stuff be mentioned among you. Don't even talk about any of this stuff. See, if we're practicing those th- sins then we've got to aggressively deal with them and cut them off, turn away from those things, and do whatever it takes to get those things out of our lives. Because if we don't, then we will face devastating consequences. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But first, let's talk about another list of sins Paul gives us in Colossians 3, 8 through 9. He says, but now you also rid yourselves of all of them, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Now, the six sins that Paul mentions here are sins a lot of professing Christians seem not to take too seriously. He starts out with anger and wrath, or a better translation is rage. Anger and rage, well, those two things go together. Anger is what we feel towards others on the inside, and rage is anger that makes its way to the surface and explodes out of us as we lash out at others. Now, there are things that should arouse anger in us, righteous anger, right? We should be angry as God is with the sinfulness we see in the world all around us. Injustice, immorality, inhumane acts, lawlessness, false teaching that drags people into eternal torment. Well, those things should make us angry. They should arouse our anger. They should arouse a righteous anger in all of us. But that's not the type of anger Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about the type of anger we have when we explode on someone 
who does something that we don't like. For example, that person who cuts you off in traffic and you lean on the horn with one hand, show them you think they're number one with the other hand, and tell them how stupid you think they are. Now, is that righteous anger? What about when your server is not the best at the restaurant when you leave up after church, right? Or your food is wrong. Or what about when people bother you while you're working on something and you lash out at them? Is that righteous anger? I'm sure you can think of other examples, right? And we've all heard or made excuses for our anger. We've all made excuses for our outburst. I'm having a bad day. I didn't get enough sleep. It's that time of the month. It's a full moon. What did y'all think I was talking about? Another one is, I've always been this way. So it's time we who have been born again stop making excuses for our sinful behavior. God does not accept our excuses. We've got to learn to live differently. What you or I have always been is absolutely irrelevant once we've been united with Christ. Because in Christ, things change. In Christ, we put that old person off and we put a new person on. So we've got to put all those excuses and all that bad behavior away from us, put it behind us. It's in our past. Paul says anger and rage have no place in the life of a Christian. And neither do the next three sins Paul mentions. And these also go together. The first one is malice. And like anger, malice is something that starts inside of us. Malice is bad feelings toward someone. And those bad feelings also carry a desire to see evil or harm come to that person. And when we don't deal with malicious feelings, we don't stop them where they are, well, those feelings come out in what we say. They come out in, they can come out, first of all, as slander. Slander is when we say things to others to hurt the reputation of the person that we're slandering. And malice can also come out as obscene talk. Now, a lot of people think that, I think uh, there's a lot of translations that say stuff like uh, filthy language or whatever. All these, it's not necessarily talking about cuss words. I think we get stuck on that. Oh, Paul's just talking about cussing. He's not necessarily talking about that, although it could include that. Cussing does not look good on Christians. Cussing is very childish. And we who are becoming mature in Christ should put those childish words behind us. A lot of people think it's grown up to cuss. It's not grown up. It's childish to cuss. Grow up and stop using cuss words, all right? I'm talking to everybody, right? Every Christian. We don't have to talk like that. We shouldn't talk like that. It's filthy. We don't talk like that. Anyway, we who are becoming mature in Christ should put those childish cuss words and things like that behind us. So obscene of talk can include cuss words, but it's any kind of abusive speech. And it's in the context of malice. It's when we use cutting words that are meant to hurt or tear down this person that we want, that we're feeling malicious feelings towards. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene language, those things have no business in our lives. We've got to rid ourselves of all those behaviors. We've also got to rid ourselves of the final sin Paul mentions. He says very simply, do not lie to one another. You know, when people lie, they're not acting like our Father in heaven, They're acting like their father, the devil. 
The devil is the father of lies. And he's the father of liars as well. See, we who are connected to the one who is the truth should never lie to one another. Not white lies, not red lies, or blue lies, or green lies, not small lies, big lies, or anywhere in between lies. And I got the children's book that's coming out later on this week that goes along with that Dr. Seuss rhyme. In other words, don't lie to one another, period. Don't make excuses. Oh, I had to lie, but you don't. Just stop lying. Don't lie to one another. To those 11 sins and any other sins like the ones Paul mentions here, well, those earthly things have no place in us whose lives are in heaven and thus whose lives are connected with Christ. I want you to notice the past tense phrases that Paul, Paul used in uh, Colossians 3.7. He says, in these sins you also once walked when you were living in them. And we once walked in those sins, and we were living in those sins. But in Christ, we are called to a new life. we got to stay dead to and stay away from those earthly things that were dragging us into hell. Because if we don't stay away from those things, then there will be devastating consequences. And Paul tells us the consequences in Colossians 3.6. He says, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Probably nine out of ten churches you'll never hear mention God's wrath in our day and age. You don't talk about God's wrath. Why? Because it's not popular. It doesn't populate the pews. But I'm not here to populate pews. I'm here to populate heaven. That's what I want to do. And to populate heaven, we've got to talk about the God of the Bible, the true God. And what the scriptures tell us here is if we're not living like we're dead to sin, if we're not ridding ourselves of the old person we were outside of Christ, well, then it doesn't matter what we profess to know about Jesus. We will face God's wrath on the day of judgment. And this is seriously scary stuff, and it's especially scary considering so much of what passes for Christian teaching tells us that we can just relax. Don't worry about it. You know, Jesus did it all. God will never judge us for our sins if we just have faith in Christ. Oh, he might give us a slap on the wrist and take away our toys, but he'll never condemn us if we're in Christ or if we believe in Christ. See, lying false teachers who say such things speak empty words because they don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. Now, remember, Paul wrote this letter to people who have faith in Christ. They're in Christ. They've been baptized, done all these things. But he warns them that they better make sure they live like they're dead to sin because if they don't, they will face God's wrath that will come on the sons of disobedience. Paul expands on this sobering teaching in Ephesians 5, 1 through 10. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But sexual immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be mentioned among you, as is proper among saints. There must, not, there must be no filthiness or foolish talk or vulgar joking, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no sexually immoral or impure or greedy person, which amounts to an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And listen to the next thing Paul says, See that no one deceives you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons 
of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, as you, learn, as you try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. To, the, to people whom Paul calls beloved, beloved children of God, he also says, don't let anyone deceive you about this. People who commit these sins will have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. People who become partners with the sons of disobedience will face God's wrath one of these days. And professing to be a Christian does not exempt us from that. So if we don't count ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God, if we don't consistently live a life that reflects those facts, that reflects that truth, we will not inherit God's kingdom. We will receive God's wrath just like every other child of disobedience. And I don't want that, and you don't want that. And to avoid that, we got to stay dead to and stay away from earthly things. Now, as we close, let me encourage you to practice what Paul preaches here. Let's learn to live every moment seeking and setting our minds on heavenly things. Because that's where our life is. That's where our hope is, hidden with Christ in God. Let's stay dead to and stay away from earthly things. Let's live like it's impossible for us to use any part of our body for sin. Let's live like like we can only use every part of our bodies for righteousness, to do God's will, to do what God wants us to do. And if we'll do those things, we will be transformed by God's grace from one degree of glory to another until we finally completely reflect the image of Christ until we are finally and completely renewed in God's image. Let's all stand for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your plan to make us like you through our union with the Lord Jesus. Give us grace to seek and set our minds on heavenly things and to stay dead to and stay away from earthly things. Do that today and always. In Jesus' name, amen. So they're going to sing another song. Uh, Before they do that, if something I've said today has struck a chord with you, you feel like, you know, the Lord is saying, yeah, he put his finger on a certain sin in your life that you got to get rid of, then I want to encourage you to do that now. Don't wait. Don't wait till you get home. Do it right where you're sitting. You're also welcome to come forward and just pour it out to the Lord up here. But whatever it is, if you got sin in your life and the Lord has put his finger on it, don't wait. We got to confess that. Get that out of our lives. And this is not condemning. This is not trying to condemn people. This is trying to get people away from the things that will condemn them. That's what we're trying to do, right? So if the Lord puts his finger on something, say, Lord, I surrender it. I don't want to live like that anymore. And this is why we study God's word. We want to know his will for our lives. If you are someone here who does not know the Lord and you want to know how to become a member of his body, then you can come see me after church. I'll tell you everything you need to know about that. Um, If you want prayer for anything, if you uh, are sick in your body, anything like that, scriptures tell us to call the elders of the church and we'll um, anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make sick people well. But in the context of that also, it says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So all of this stuff goes together. You're welcome to come forward as they sing this song, and um, I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you all. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Salvation in your name. 
Salvation in your name, Jesus Christ. 